Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on HawkFanatic.com. I'm Rob Howe, joined as always by Scott Docterman from The Athletic. It is Thursday, November the 16th, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. We are one week away from Thanksgiving and eight days away from, as Scott said before we started recording, from the end of the regular season for football. Crazy how quick this stuff goes, and as Scott and I get older here on the Old Dude Podcast... Uh, the days go quicker, the years go quicker, uh, and here we are. Uh, speaking of that, I was out raking yesterday, Scott, and I'm hearing from muscles this morning that I hadn't heard from in a while. Yeah, they they wake up the echoes, don't they? Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, yeah. I, uh, luckily, I did I did it in spurts, and we had a really big one, and then I had my kids really help, uh, which has been good. So we just have a little bit more to do and one more tree that is uh, holding on to its leaves. Like it's a, you know, two Kings at a blackjack table and what sign to split. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but and 20 than- mile an hour winds today. So I'm just waiting for the big giant pile of leaves I have at my curb to get blown into my yard and the neighbor's yard again. Luckily, the big vacuum cleaner came by yesterday. So, because yeah, uh, that... I'm hoping they get to us this morning before the wind does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love the leaves, though. <laughs> well, we have uh, here's a segue. We have plenty blowing through the Hawkeye uh, sports scene this week, Scott. And uh, I guess we should probably start with the bad news, the biggest news of the week. And that's uh, Cooper DeGene, Star Iowa. Defender, returner, and uh, as Kirk Ferentz said last night on his radio show, one of the best football players he's ever been around. Um, and I was thinking about that, and maybe we should can start this, the conversation there. Um, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. And I don't want this to seem like a memorial for Cooper. Uh, he's obviously got his best football in front of him. Um, but uh, this season's over, and that's really that really sucks. Um, he is out, and I think there was some hope he'd be back for the bowl game, but probably not worth taking that risk, even if it's kind of, you know, touch and go at that point that he might be able to get back. But uh, I was going through my mental Rolodex, Scott, which has got a lot more cobwebs than it used to have on it. But, um, yeah, he's right there. I want to sit down later today and maybe write down some of the guys that I would put in his category. And there's different ways to, I guess, frame it and classify you know, you know, best player, most electric player, you know, he just is one of those guys. This is what I came to. He's one of those guys. I think you could put anywhere on the field with his, that, you know, accepts his body type. Like he's not going to play defensive tackle, but he can, he's going to succeed wherever you put him on the field. Just the natural instincts you see from him in playing cornerback and punt returner, two of the most instinctual positions and, and very skilled too, but a lot of instinct. I've never seen, I, and Charlie Jones, don't get me wrong. I, Charlie Jones, I didn't think I'd see anybody as good as him for a while. And 
Uh, Cooper DeGene is in the is on the short list for me of just natural football players that have come through here in the 27 years I've been doing this. Last one I saw that reminds me of him is Tim Dwight. Um, I, cause, I, cause Tim Dwight was the same way. DB. Yes. Running back. Yes. Wide receiver. Of course. Um, quarterback. Well, I think Cooper probably has a beat there. Um, yeah. punt, punt returner, both were unbelievable kick returner. They, you know, they could have both done that too. Mm-hmm. Um, just a pound for pound for pound, the great players we've ever seen. I remember, um, at the very end of Hayden's era, he said that Tim Dwight pound for pound, him and Jerry Levias were the two best players he ever had. And I would say pound for pound that, you know, and I don't say this lightly, but pound for pound that Cooper DeGene is the best all-around football player that Kirk Ferentz has ever had. And and that doesn't mean he's the best. I mean, Bob Sanders was the best at what he did. He tipped the field in different ways, but, but, you know, he didn't have the ball in his hands the way Cooper did. Cooper has a different level to him. And uh, Bob could impact the game from a physicality standpoint that maybe Cooper couldn't. But Cooper can affect change. He didn't allow a touchdown this year. You know, he's got four returns for touchdowns, five, really. You put an asterisk by it. Um, and, you know, and then there are others that came close that, you know, he got knocked out at the five-yard line or he had a 45-yarder called back because kind of a, a weak block in the back call at Chicago. So there's just so much to him that can he's I done. It's something? Yeah. Punt coverage. Yes. Gunner. I mean, he that just his awareness out. Just watch his awareness and his ability to track the ball, know exactly where it's going to be, down it or not. I mean, that just that's hard to teach, Scott. Yeah, I mean, the way you know, and then there, there's all kinds of things we can talk about with Senior Day, you know, and then the and the Tory Taylor part of this too. Yeah. But you know, as a gunner. The ability to, to race the field, get in position, get the ball and, and pin that deep, that team. I mean, every time that offense looks and says, damn, we're at the three yard line, you know, and it's, it's, it goes hand in hand with great gunners and great punter. Yep. And, and he's part of that. He's, you know, Terry Roberts was fantastic. I think he is equally, if not better. And then you look at the, the way he shifts the field because. He's got such great quickness and ball skills. You, you look at even a couple of the punts. I remember there's the one in Chicago where the ball bounced. Everybody was just kind of standing there. And then the guy was like two feet in front of him. He grabs it, spins, goes 10 yards. I mean, that that's a first down he got because of that. Um, and, you know, to me, maybe one of the, you know, I think Minnesota touchdown might have been the best I've ever seen. Didn't count. But the the Michigan State one, might have been right there when you look at uh, three minutes left, scores tied, everybody in the whole stadium's chanting, Goop! and what does he do? He returns at 70 yards for a touchdown. That just doesn't happen. And it's uh, just, you feel like you're robbed, Rob. <laughs> I mean, you, you feel like, man, you wanted to see that guy one more time on a big stage. Maybe a crowning moment for the team this weekend or next weekend. Maybe in Indianapolis, he does something spectacular. Maybe in the bowl game, he does something to where you feel like it's concluded. You know, like Sam Laporta, it was kind of the same way. He came back. That was different. But Cooper, you just feel like, damn. And and then, of course, when you take it in totality, Rob, it's just 
what a what a shitty year. <laughs> They're incredible that you know they sit at eight and two, five and two with the injuries they've had. Obviously, now this is an additional to Cade McNamara, Eric All, Le Cliche. Um, yeah, if you would have told people before the season that those guys would go out during this season and Iowa would win the West, I think most people would say, well, that's that's an accomplishment, and Iowa needs one more win here in the last two games to do that. Um, I guess from a football standpoint, um, first, Scott, I, I would caution people – I've already seen this discussion happening. Does the injury mean that there's a greater chance of him coming back? Um, I would say no. Um, if he's a first round pick, um, he'll be healthy by the combine. So, um, or should be, you know, be able to get, he should be able to get himself into shape, healthy enough to get into shape for the combine too, which is important. You don't want to just come back off the injury and go right to the combine, but, um, you know, it's a process for these guys, and certainly this could make him think a little bit about it. But on the plus side, you could say, well, he may come back because he want, you know, he he they're unfinished business or whatever reason. You know, he loves Iowa. Um, you know, it, it, he wants another season of college. It's a once in a lifetime thing. But you also have to look at it as this is an eye opener for him that just from what Kirk described on his radio show, really just a, a football play where he gets injured, you know, twists it, gets injured, how easily this can all be taken away. And I think he has to weigh that in too. So I would just caution people not to get into an, into arguments about this, whether or not he should come back. It's his decision. It's his process. He'll go through and he'll get his feedback from the NFL advisory board next month. They're going to tell him he's a first round pick. He's going to meet with Kirk. Kirk's going to say, we'd love to have you back, but what's what's the signing bonus for somebody in the middle of the first round? $10 million? Mm-hmm. It, it, Somebody asked me last night, 19th pick, which is what some people have. We have them at 17th. So let's say 17th, about $8 million signing bonus. Um, you're going to come up with $8 million for NIL to replace that? And then to what extent does that burn everybody else or the right. potential for getting other people there? Let's Let's – Let's put this to rest. I mean, I would really, I would be more surprised. I would be more surprised if he came back than if he won the Heisman this year. I mean, (laughs) let's just, I mean, he's a rare talent and the NFL sees it. They know it. He's um, our guy, Dane Brugler, who's as good of an evaluator as anybody, and that includes people in front offices, has him as the number 17 pick. And uh, number uh, two corner. I think Mel Kiper has him one. Um, you're not, you know, you can love Iowa all you want, but you can love them from afar as well. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the, the one player that struggled the most mentally was TJ Hawkinson, you know, and he, he fits the similar profile, small town Iowa kid who came to Iowa and became kind of this, uh, you know, and, and loved the city, you know, loved everything about it. And I think Cooper's in the same boat, personality wise, a little bit different, but, you know, it, you know, head has to beat hard in this one. You know, when you remove it, it just does. And yes, that's, it's unfortunate. And I know I saw a lot of Iowa fans were like, you know, I don't know, there's just something about it. I think he comes back. Well, it's his body. 
It's not not yours. Keegan you Murray's know? coming back. Chris Murray's coming back. Yeah, they they don't they don't come back. I, I get mean, it from the fan standpoint, Scott. Yeah. That you, you it's your your wishful thinking. Yeah, you also have to think logically. Right, and you look at now. You know, let's take another person in a a similar situation. I know not that same, <laughs> with with Luke Lachey. Yeah. You know, um, that one I think you could maybe have a little more hope with. Although, um, you know, I haven't talked to Luke or anybody with him, so I can't. This is pure speculation. But can you know how does his draft stock figure in right now versus what would it be like if he did return for a senior year? That one to me is probably more logical because um, how does the NFL view him after a very short window, two games this year, you know, even though they're pretty spectacular, but um, do they view him as a, hey, you're a, to me, I think his line in my opinion would be top 100. You know, if, if you could be a top 100 guy, you probably still go, but which is you know, what, three rounds? Three rounds, yeah. Yeah, roughly, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you get yeah. Comp- compensatory picks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, we'll just call it top 100. And, and you know, by the second night, and if he could be there, I think you'd go. Because, again, you know, you see the mortality of yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. When And that's what the other thing with Cooper is. He looks around and he's like the three most impactful other players on the team went down with season-ending injuries I could do the same thing. You know, this is just a, a six week deal, which you really wish would have happened in April, <laughs> you know, cause it's just a, you know, it's a broken fibula, but it's one that could heal very quickly. He'll probably be ready to start training by January and everything, but. What's uh, the combine first week of February? N- no, it's the last week of February, first so, week of March. Okay. And, so and he's I, got plenty of time. Oh, For yeah. some reason in my head, I had beginning of, of February. No. So. Yeah, you know, but with Luke Lachey, he should be close to that by the end of the of the you know bowl game era, and and then you know he he'll have a decision to make too. But but then again, if he comes back and if NIL is pretty good, bingo! You know, I was just going to say he's a guy you might be able to hook back with the NIL. Yeah, and you know he had some decent NIL this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he could probably have some more. And if he comes back and makes it an announcement, and people are like, oh yeah, I'm I'm chipping in for this. Um, then I think you might be on to something with him uh, because then he could put himself in the first round. He could elevate himself even beyond what Sam Laporta did, who of course is having an outstanding rookie year. So that's the one that makes most sense. Cooper does not. Cooper is a first rounder, no matter what happens. It just, it sucks. It came on the same day. He was announced as an Agurski finalist. I know. And uh, you know, and the voting goes till Sunday. <laughs> so if it would have happened one more game, you know, would have, you would have gotten one more game and you might have been able to really, uh, I don't, I don't see him winning now, but yeah. Did want to mention as well, Scott, as we're talking about NIL, um, good time. If you're thinking about donating to the swarm collective, uh, Brad Heinrichs and Bruce Rest that are, are matching donations up to a million dollars until December 31st. So really, really nice, uh, uh, Move by those guys, uh, gesture by those guys, and uh, really a good opportunity if you're looking to build the the. War, I don't want to say the war chest because I don't like that term anymore. Uh, if you're if you're wanting to build the account for the December fourth opening of the transfer portal, Luke Lachey, 
whatever you want to do. Think mm-hmm. about 2024 Iowa. There's going to be invest- investments that need to be made this offseason. This is a good chance right now to to, uh, <laughs> to to build it up, right, Scott? Yeah, it is. I, you know, I don't want to give a commercial or anything no. to them, but but I do think that this is the way the game is played. And and if you want to be in the great game, you know, like even Bob Bowlesby said twenty years ago, the only thing worse than being in than being in the arms race is not being in the arms race. Exactly. And that's where you know that's another war analogy, but it's the, <laughs> but still it's it's true. And if if you know you could look over at, at men's basketball and think. You know, I mean, I think they did all right. Ben Cricky played really well. We'll talk about him later. But, but I think, uh, you know, the, the, you could have gotten one more guy. Maybe last year you got that that post. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this year you get something else. And then I think that's the same way, obviously, with football that you got to want to make sure you you get guys because they're going to lose a lot. You know, the, the heavy senior class. You know, Cooper DeGene is not replaceable, just like Jack Campbell is not replaceable. But Jay Higgins has done a nice job of replacing him. Um, you know, and maybe maybe Deshaun Lee is the guy that can come in and play well enough. Um, but you just you have to be in that game, especially with the Big Ten growing. And and I've seen people, especially earlier this year, really mad saying, well, I'm not giving to the swarm after this year. And I'm like, that's like the last thing you want to do. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna withhold my money so we suck more, you know, and 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 it's just a downward spiral. So I mean, it takes money to produce results, and you know, and of course, what would have happened if those injuries would have went to somebody else and they didn't have those players? If you didn't have Kate, Kate McNamara, uh, if you didn't have, uh, you know, Eric All, ugh, that would have been rough. It's interesting, Scott, too, because. From a coach's perspective now, this portal opens December 4th, and it worked out great last year. Cade went in there. He was looking for a place. Iowa was looking for somebody. It worked out great. But we talked about it with some guys on Tuesday. Um, I think I only asked Quinn Schulte about it, but I was in other media scrums where other seniors were being asked about whether or not they were going to come back. Um, and that that is the, you know, connected to this NIL discussion because you know they're going to if they're they're going to weigh what what are my opportunities at the next level what are my opportunities here Sebastian mm-hmm. Castro you mentioned Jay Higgins guys like that that could be really impactful when they come back if they come back mm-hmm. uh, that's an important discussion and those guys have a decision to make it's kind of like recruiting i like to tell people it's a process Got you wouldn't expect guys to have their minds made up now. Everybody, some guys do, some guys know, but you want to go through the process. NFL draft advisory board, talk to the coaches, not thinking about game plans during the week, you know, for the next couple weeks. Give these guys a, a chance to kind of evaluate what their positions are, but also make sure you have your offer, for lack of a better term, set. Well, exactly. And, you know, the weird thing is because of the COVID year and some people redshirting, some people not, you know, it throws Jamari Harris and yeah. Jay Higgins into this category. Um, and they're, you know, as well as some of the seniors, um, when you look at, um, you know, who, like you go down the list and you're trying to figure out Luke Lachey again, another one, um, you know, who's, who are you going to target? Who are you going to let go? And, um, you know, like Logan Lee said, no. And I understand that he was thinking about going last year, you know, just because 
you know, he's a married guy. He's, you know, and it makes sense, you know, go ahead and move on. But, but, you know, the, the defensive backs to me are pretty critical in this one, along with Lachey. For some reason, I just think Higgins is probably going to go because what does he have to prove? Yeah. You know, if he, if he's a third to fourth round draft pick now, He's a third to fourth round draft pick next year. He's not going to grow three inches. He's not going to, you know, he's already shown what he can do on the field and he's not going to be able to grow or change the, 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 the aspects of him that are, that are going to be knocks. Exactly. He's going to, they're going to go through the process. They're going to say he's limited in this area. They're going to say he's an ass kicker in this area. And some team's going to go, yeah, I'm spending a, the late third, early fourth pick on this guy. And if he came back for one more year, he wouldn't. Now he might say, eh, what do I want to do? But, but I always said from day one, and it's different now with NIL is if you've got eight years of football left in your body, get paid for eight, not seven. And I think Plus it his- that leads into um, being vested. Yeah. You start to build up all of that stuff matters. The year you spend in college is it one less year you get on your retirement for the NFL. Exactly. Cause he, you know, somebody like, somebody like Jay, if healthy throughout his career, he's going to be a vested veteran. He will be. He'll, you know, he'll make it through the end of his first contract, probably at least somewhat into his second contract. He'll be at minimum a six to seven year player and a quality player at that. You know, I look at him as kind of like Anthony Hitchens. Hitch was a little bit more athletic, but Jay's an ass kicker. Oh my God, he's an ass kicker. And uh, so he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the field. But, but to me, I think the, the big decisions, you know, are Lachey, of course. I think he's probably number one, but I think the three DBs, because I don't see Jamar Harris getting drafted. I don't see Quit Schulte get drafted. Castro, maybe late, maybe, but probably not. You know, maybe a seventh round guy. I mean, because you look at Geno Stone was a seventh round guy and he had better ball skills, although Castro's a bigger hitter. Um, so I think those are guys you can lure back. And then you look at the, at the secondary, if you're bringing them back along with Wampa and then Lee, you know, cause let's just not put Dejean in there. <laughs> then, then you're going, all right, you got, you got something cooking there. And, and then uh, now linebacker will be a major question mark as it was this year, but more so. And part of that is Nick Jackson won't be back. And uh, you know, and of course, if Higgins goes, then you're like, okay. Interesting now, to see Scott, how, Seth Wallace and Phil Parker feel about these linebackers we've talked about, like Jaden Harrell and Carson Scherer and those. Do they feel like one of those guys or two of those guys can step in, or are they jumping back in the portal for another Nick Jackson? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Because, you know, Jaden Harrell was on goal line. You know, they had a 6-4-1, and he was on there. Um, big player, big hitter. Can he take a step and be a, and a major contributor? Carson Shire is – you know, they've liked him for a while, but he's been hurt a lot. Yep. Jackson Rexroth has played a lot. He's not on scholarship yet. Um, you know, what's what's the future for Ben Keeter? Is it going to be on the mat or is it going to be on the field or is it going to be both? Um, you know, I, I think right now there's there's a lot of questions. So my guess is they've got to get in the portal for one, at least. One linebacker. And in, in a perfect world, the Iowa way would be Mac level, um, maybe FCS level guy, you know, like an you know, throw his name out there. Like Adam Bach was, you know, when he was at South Dakota state, you know, go get that guy. Hey, you want to play up a couple levels and maybe get a chance to get to the pros. I think that would be, that would be good. And then, you know, um, I, you know, I'm curious, just, you know, somebody like YA black um, stats do not jump off the sheet, but when you're a, a 
two gap t- defensive tackle at Iowa, you do not have stats. But you know what? He's a, he's been a really good player, and uh, and so you know you're probably going to need to think about that one too. So it's really a pivotal year, Rob. You know, when it comes to the offseason, and we spurred this all on because of Cooper DeGene, but it does lead down this road of a lot of question marks. And you're going to have some attrition. There's going to be some players. I, I, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm throwing it out there that I don't think, you know, three three running backs are going to stay happy. <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> you know. a quarterback may leave. Yeah, a quarterback probably will leave. <laughs> I'm guessing one of the three guys who play running back will probably leave. You never know about a wide receiver, too, or, or two. You know, just it's just the way the game works. Um, I, I would think, though, if you have a Lachey-Ostranga combination, that's one hell of a duo next year because I really like Ostranga. So uh, they've got some strengths. They've got a lot of weaknesses. But, you know, 2024 still is, uh, you know, a month and a half away. Yep, and we'll have a lot of time to talk mm-hmm. about this through uh, December and things like that when uh, this stuff starts to become more of a main topic. But we kind of went down that rabbit hole with the Cooper DeGene, which makes a lot of sense. Another roster, um, not really, because he wasn't on the roster, at least not on the player roster. He's uh, he's on the, he's, if you go to the Iowa directory, he's a temporary employee, Spencer Petrus, getting yeah. cash this year yeah. for his expertise. And it's probably worth it with his smart as he is. Nico was telling me the other day what kind of a football savant that Spencer Petrus is, but, uh, and that he announced this week or he didn't announce it was out there that, uh, he's going into the transfer portal. Uh, looks like he's getting healthy again from the, was it a labrum? Yeah. Tor- yeah. It was a torn labrum and torn rotor- rotator cuff. So yeah. if you're a pitcher, that's an 18 month injury. Yeah. So, um, hopefully he's getting better for that. And, uh, we wish him well, and this makes a lot of sense, Scott. And uh, rather than listen to the critics and the assholes out there that continue to take shots at Spencer Petrus, listen to his teammates and how they feel about him and what he's meant to this program. And what he's meant to this program this season, you can ask Deacon Hill, a guy who wasn't expecting to play and needs as much tutelage as he can get. Pretty nice having a guy in the room that started at the position for three years. Yeah. I always wondered, you know, did he have too many voices in his head, yeah. <laughs> you know, with Spencer, with Cade, with Bud Meyer, with uh, Killer, Killer, Killer Christ, you know, <laughs> it just got all these people there, but um, you know, but with, with Spencer, I've always been very, very high on Spencer. I always, you know, because of his, his acumen, you know, he, and some people are like, Hey, so you guys are dumbasses. Period. You know, to to sit there and co- to talk smack about him based his football intellect based on what he was unable to do on the football field at times, uh, because I haven't been around a smarter quarterback at this level. He will be an outstanding coach. You know, he will be. I will make that prediction. I would put money on it that at some point he will. But you only have a finite amount of time to play to play football. His time at Iowa has expired. Um, you know, with Cade McNamara coming back, you don't really want to go back down that path, if, especially if you're, <laughs> you know, if you wanted to do that to this year would have been the year and he still wasn't healthy enough to do it. Um, and, you know, it's it's a good opportunity for him. You know, if he goes, to the, let's say, a different style of offense, 
one maybe that suits his skill set a little bit better. You know, maybe he puts up some good stats. Maybe he gets a chance at the next level because now he wouldn't even have a chance. And, uh, you know, and, and if nothing else, if it doesn't work out from the playing perspective, at least he learned he's around a different group of coaches, learns a different style. And and that's what you want as a as an athlete, you know, to have a, a chance to get exposed to different types of systems. So then when you are, in his case, probably, you know, in a, in a year and a half to two years down the road and he becomes a GA somewhere and or you know, he can, okay, I've, I was in this system for six years. I was in this one for one. I understand the game at a level that few people do. And eventually that'll get him, um, you know, a gig and then eventually a quarterback coaching position. And uh, somewhere down the line, probably in eight to 10 years, maybe a, uh, a coordinator's job. Yeah, no doubt. He's got a bright future ahead of him, and uh, this will be, as Scott said, a chance for him to kind of expand his network, right? He's got the Iowa network right now. Wherever he goes now, he'll be able to um, make new connections, expand his network, and that's a big part of getting into the coaching business if things don't work out for him on a professional level, and uh, we'll see. I wish him nothing but the best. He's one of the nicest kids that have come through here that I've covered, Uh, just a really down-to-earth, polite, um, bright young man. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to work out. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be okay. Um, Scott, let's hit some hoops. Um, we won't spend a ton of time on this again. I apologize to the basketball fans. This is just football heavy time right now. We have a long time to talk about basketball, uh, but there's enough basketball going on right now in terms of news wise, you know, in terms of who the teams are playing and things like that, that we should probably at least hit on um, the Iowa men on Tuesday night uh, lost at Creighton. Uh, good effort. Um, good comeback. Um, I would say admirable effort, something you can build on. And I've seen that a lot, Scott, where people saying, okay, it's a loss, but there's something to build on here. The key to that is building on it. And not just it being a game that we're playing the eighth-ranked team in the country. We get up for it and give them a run, and then we we fall back to playing the level of our, you know, other competition and not being locked in, as Fran would say. Sure. Um, you know, at this level, there are no moral victories, and I think, but I think that's understandable. But I also think you could take something away from every performance. And if you build on it, as you said, then then I don't think that the result is a negative necessarily. I mean, let's face it, you go to the number eight team, um, in the country, you play a really late game. And then you're also playing, um, you know, in an environment that's sold out and one of the better ones in the country. It's a bigger arena even than Carver. And yet, and to play against an opponent like that and to compete, um, you know, they were, they were down to 17 midway through the second half. This was a, this was that chance to me for Iowa to, okay, what do you got? Because I didn't expect him to win. I don't think anybody expected him to win there. But, you know, to shoot 50% from the floor, to go over there and to, to hold your own and to compete possession by possession, cut it, you know, cut it down to what, five, I think at one point late in the game, you know, with a minute to go or something like that, and then lose by eight. Nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, I was probably more impressed with their performance that I was, you know, would have been, you know, or have been when the, in the first couple of games that they won. So I, I think, okay, they've, they're better than what I expected. I love their bench. I think they've got a lot of talent in that freshman class. 
Now they've got a, and Ben Cricky is everything that they wanted to be and more. So now, okay, how do you take the next step? Well, Arkansas State's tomorrow night. You know, you know what? Back it up with a consistent performance. You should win by at least twenty, but play well. You know, um, you know, do the right things. That's how you build off of a a game like this that probably taught you something and probably helped Fran McCaffrey more than if they would have had some monumental upset. Definitely. I think I agree with what Scott's saying. And I think the formula or the setup that we thought would work for Iowa this year, Scott, is kind of playing out in terms of balance. There's no Luca Garza. There's no Keegan Murray. There's no Chris Murray. You need to have balance. They have got five guys averaging double figures in scoring, led by the aforementioned Ben Cricky at 18.3, Peyton Sanford at 16.3, Patrick McCaffrey at 15.3, Tony Perkins at 12.7, and the freshman of the week in the Big Ten, Owen Freeman at 10 points per game, uh, Lajay Dembele off the bench with six, and Bowen averaging 5.3. Um, they're going to need that balanced scoring on a, a given night. Some, whoever has the best matchup, things like that. That to me is a good sign. They're figuring out that they have to play this way, that they're not the, where they're not going through one guy. They're going through whichever is the best matchup, whichever the, what, you know, whatever the opponent, however that matchup is, they take advantage of that. That can be good. That can be bad. And the game situations, who takes the shot during the game? It's pretty nice when you have a lot of guys to go to. Got to continue with that down the down the road here. And uh, 90, 90-some points, not a good sign for an Iowa team defensively. And the one the, the biggest concern for me that, that is directly related to that, Scott, they came into that game uh, having beat their first two opponents and out-rebounded them by only plus four, those two bad teams last week. The other night, I believe they were out-rebounded by eight-ish somewhere in there to me that's a concern yeah and that those are the areas you have to really look at and and I think that's where Fran has to evaluate his talent and where to put players and how much to play them because uh when you look at Owen Freeman uh you know Dembale you know Dembele do you really do you get them more out there to make sure you can get better rebounds I mean you know even you know, kind of down the, down the list, um, you know, Evan Bronze, do you, uh, do you put him out there a little bit more often to make sure that you have a little more girth and you're not as, you know, and, and that's really going to be something that they're going to have to work on defensively. I mean, <laughs> their liabilities on defense are comparable to the football team's liabilities on offense. You know, it, it, it's style of play, it, mm-hmm. you know, that when they're, they lead the league in scoring, they are last in the league in, in defense. You know, it's just a matter of can you stop them a little bit more often and stop the ball and, and be better in transition, which has always been a, a very, very difficult situation for Iowa. But, you know, by and large, you know, those are good things to have at this point of year. You're in mid-November, which usually the season started now. But, um, <laughs> you know, they would they have uh, things to work on, things to look at. How do we get better here? That's healthy for this time of year. And to do it where you, you're, playing, you're playing teams where you can work on it against, but also a team like, uh, you know, Creighton next week when you're going to San Diego – opponents that you feel like okay we can you know now we got to see how we progressed 
maybe you get a win. Maybe you get two wins. Maybe you only get, you know, zero, but you, you've got to figure out the next steps. But um, I, one thing I will say is I'm really impressed with this freshman group. I think this freshman group not only will contribute this year, but be very important this year and then into the future be the, the foundation, you know, pieces for Iowa. Yeah, and then you've got Cooper Koch coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, I apologize, I, I forget the young other young man's name that they signed in this this twenty four class. But it, you add to that behind, and I think you know you you keep the program healthy. And to reference to what Scott said, there's a uh, it's the Rady Children's Invitational out in San Diego, which is next Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. Iowa plays a two p.m. game uh, against. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, and then Seton Hall and USC are also in that event. Watched a little bit of Seton Hall last night. Um, I forget who they played, but, uh, quality team there too, athletic team, defensive team. So, uh, and USC is usually good too. So that'll be good competition. They got a, they got their first kind of measuring stick against Creighton and they'll get that again next week. And, uh, then, uh, not far off is, uh, Purdue December 4th. It's coming quick. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to happen very very quickly. I mean, you know, this the stuff just goes, you know, and you're like, "Whoa, wait, when how, how did this happen?" you know. And that's that's where we are right now with uh with all of this and um you know, so what is it? Is the 4th of Monday? I can't remember if it was Monday or Sunday. Yeah, uh or Tuesday. I think. It's a Sunday, right? Isn't the football the 3rd and that's Saturday? This mm-hmm. uh the Big 10 Championship football I think is the 3rd. Or is it uh, it's a second. Okay, so that would be Monday night, right? Then, yeah, that would is be that basketball game. That's odd. Yeah, that happened last year too. Because I yeah, have that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the fourth. It's a Monday, but they they do that almost every year. Where um, you know, because I, I tend to be at on Iowa Live, <laughs> and and then I'm like, ah, crap, I can't get down there in time for that. So, uh, you know, you know, one game that I think is going to be fascinating, and this is next week, is Ohio State versus Alabama uh, in the Big Ten. And you think about it, you're like, oh, that was just a different sport. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing, a point I'll make on that is I was I had the Ohio State game on last night a little bit too. I think they were playing Merrimack. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm trying to make Iowa fans feel better, but Value Center Arena was empty. Yeah, and so it's not just an Iowa thing with attendance; it's a it's a nationwide thing. If you don't, if you play poopy teams, you're going to get poopy attendance. That's my that's yeah. my expert analysis uh, analysis on that. Women's basketball, Scott. I thought they'd be number one. I really did. Uh, but they got jumped by South Carolina. I can see an argument both ways. And I've seen people arguing both ways yeah. on social media. Really doesn't matter. Would have been a nice thor- or a nice uh, feather in the cap there. Uh, Iowa has only been ranked number one once. Uh, it was an eight-week stretch in 1988, uh, uh, January to February 1988. Uh, so it would have been nice to get that. And they still have a chance to get They're number two, so it's not – like they're far off. Impressive win last week at Virginia Tech. That happened after we potted. Um, <laughs> Iowa would build a double-digit lead. Virginia Tech would come back. Iowa would build a double-digit lead. Virginia Tech come back. Um, but they they controlled that game pretty much throughout. Um, and then I was even more – I mean, Northern Iowa is not a Final Four team. They're not 
Virginia Tech. They're not South Carolina. We know that. But they're favored to win the uh, the MVC. And Iowa just suffocated them, just overwhelmed them on Sunday up at a sold-out McLeod Center, record attendance up there. Nothing I've seen from this Iowa, t- Iowa team has got me uh, concerned, anything like that. I think they're figuring out how to play with a smaller lineup at times, Scott. Um, I think I-, I like what Lisa's doing just in terms of using this time of the year just to kind of figure out how do we make up for the loss of uh, Monica Sinano and McKenna Warnock. And I think they're starting to figure it out. Yeah, it, it's going to be a season-long process because this is all about March uh, with them. I mean, they're as good as they are. But I will say this, that I was surprised when they went with a four-guard lineup against Virginia Tech, but it made perfect sense um, because you can't handle, uh, you know, if they would have started, um, you know, Sharon Goodman, or and I think O'Grady was, what, sick? Is that what the cause was? But um, if you would have started either one of them, it would have been awfully difficult to – you know, to match up because Kitley is so much better. And then your advantages are negated, whereas Iowa's advantages are. And this this kind of comes back to styles. And when you have a lot of confidence, and Iowa certainly does in its players, is you make them adjust to you. You don't have to adjust to them. If we need to adjust to them, we will. But we've got what we want. They're going to have to defend us, too. And I like that kind of swagger. And that's a strategic swagger. And that works. And so, um, you know, now <laughs> when you have Amor uh, for G- Georgia Amor, who was phenomenal for Georgia Tech, I mean, just drilling shots, that was uh, like, oh, okay. You know, you've got somebody out there, um, you know, and it kind of, but it also negated to some extent or minimized, I should say, Elizabeth Kitley, uh, the way they decided to play. And then, then, of course, the best player on the planet, or at least in college basketball, did what she does, which is be awesome. <laughs> Play loves every big, minute. Loves the big stage, man. Yes. She's, she's one of those. And that's that's a superstar, right? Somebody yeah. who can step up when the, the, the lights are shining the brightest. Exactly. And uh, 40 minutes, you know, 44 points. I mean, uh, you know, in the third quarter, when they really needed her the most, she was there. Uh, you know, and... You know, this is just, you know, we're going to continue to talk about this type of stuff. But in some ways, one of these days, we're not going to be surprised by it anymore. And that is, you know, that was the the most attended women's basketball game in North Carolina history. And it didn't involve two teams from North Carolina. And and I'm talking to, uh, the, you know, earlier in May, the people who run it, they're from Charlotte. They also run the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You know, they contacted me and they said, we're putting this together. This is all embargoed but you know we're coming after Iowa we want Iowa we got Iowa and Iowa was the linchpin to this they wanted to bring Caitlin Clark to North Carolina and they wanted that TV audience with ESPN and they got it and then they got the sponsor to go along with it Alley Financial and then they brought in they figured they could bring in a really good ACC team which of course Virginia Tech absolutely was and voila you've got you know a, a game that really did well Certainly, tenants wise, TV wise, you're going against the NFL, so it's going to be a tough, you know, measurements. But, but that said, um, Iowa fit the part, and Iowa's going to do this all year long. They're going to they're going to rack up great numbers TV wise and attendance wise throughout the whole season. And tonight will be another one where it'll be sold out game, and this is going to be an impactful game. They lost to this team last year. 
Yeah, and it's interesting too, Scott, because they could see Kansas State again when they go to Florida, who because they're in the same tournament as Iowa. I don't know what the chances of that are, are that that happens, but uh, yes, Kansas State tonight. Uh, that is a seven thirty tip off. That game is on FS1, so another nationally televised game for Iowa on a Thursday night. This one from Carver. It's Military Appreciation Night, uh, and then this Sunday, the Drake Bulldogs come to town uh, for and. You know, a state matchup. The, the women do actually still play around Robin of in state teams. Very nice. Yeah. Um, enjoy that. And then, uh, yeah, that, uh, when is that tournament down in Gulf Coast? That is, that is next Friday, Friday, right. the 24th. Uh, I think Kansas State is down in that event too. Mm-hmm. Purdue, Iowa opens with Purdue Fort Wayne, then the winner of Delaware, uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Um, so that event is next week as well. Uh, oh, by the way, Caitlin Clark is the all-time leading scorer at Iowa. We didn't mention it yet. Yeah, just, she just broke Megan Gustafson's record. Yeah, nice little footnote there, Rob. You know, uh, you know, one of the – it's it's funny how things have changed even in the last few years when we start to talk about uh, basketball with not only, you know, with Luca Garza doing it, that was a big deal. And it was during COVID too, which was really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Megan Gustafson, you know, uh, you know, national player of the year. Now, every time Caitlin Clark does something, it's like, you know, kind of throwing up the hands like she does, you know, it's like, eh, just another, just another great record. But you know, this one's not one of the, the sneeze past, you know, it's, Megan Gustafson was an, you know, I, I was sitting there wondering she was the the uh, Mount Rushmore, the goat, the best player I was ever had, and then all of a sudden, uh, well, this next person's uh, going to take it to a completely different level, and that's not to minim- to minimize Megan Gustafson, who I think is uh, just a tremendous player and even better person, you know. And, and you look, and it's what's amazing is Megan. You know, I talked to, I think it was maybe Lisa at one point, and she's like. Megan solidified our base and then Caitlin took us to a different level outside because you look at the way the fans reacted to, to Megan all those years. And I mean, all the little girls, remember the little girls wearing the headbands? Cause she did. And, and she'd just stand doing the mic and drill. Yeah. And the mic and drill. And you know, the fans loved her and still do as they should. And then, you know, and now you have, um, you know, I guess it's kind of like Bird and Magic and then Michael, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, an Iowa scheme. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Because you so. think about it, Scott, Sydney, Sydney Hogjorn had that scoring record for so many years. She set it back at the beginning of the program, yeah. back in the 70s. <laughs> and then Allie Disterhoff finally breaks it. And she's yeah. like, yes, I got it. Yeah. Now, don't enjoy it while you can, because here comes Megan Gustafson. And she haven't even, and Megan had even a shorter time with the record. I know. <laughs> I mean, she's just like, uh, you know, she, I, I loved her video. She was great. She's yeah. so, so such a gracious person, you know, and she's like, well, I wouldn't mind having it a little longer, but <laughs> you're the right person to have it. And, um, but you know, I, you, you cannot help in my eyes, you cannot help but admire the program and how they've, how they're able to adapt to their players and then put their players in a position to be, among the greats. And that's, you know, really over the last 10 to 15 years with Cash Alexander and, and Samantha Logic and and then, you know, Ali Disserhoff and, and Kathleen Doyle and and uh and then Megan Gustafson and of course 
the, the great one, you know, the Wayne Gretzky of this era, you know, I'll just start throwing out all kinds of great comparisons. <laughs> That's probably, if there's a style, stylistic type of player, it's probably Wayne Gretzky, you know, just because yeah. he, he was so um, much beautiful. more and sk- more skilled than anybody yeah. else on the ice. It was just, it was watching the beautiful game on ice. And, and that's like watching Caitlin Clark because she's so much better. She's just much more skilled. I mean, her step back, nobody can touch it. No, I mean, they just can't literally touch it. And uh, maybe at the next level, they will a little bit more often. But even then, once she figures it out, she'd be fine. I think she's even better this year at getting to the basket too and Mm -hmm. finishing at the rim. And that comes with strength, right? She's not the thickest kid in the world. So she's had to add strength kind of like Utah remember Utah yeah. couldn't put on weight but he yeah. got stronger and then was able to you know you know utilize his skills to the full especially around the rim and mm. that the other night at you know her shot wasn't falling against yeah. the Tech, and she was smart enough to just go to the basket and she finished yeah she finished and then she also drew fouls yep. and that's what that's what good players do it's like if they can't get in a sh- shooting rhythm get you know, draw fouls, get to the foul line. Then you can put yourself into a rhythm. And, and, you know, she's so, she laps the field and, and she's got great teammates and plays against great players, but she stands so tall. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And, and I know there were a lot of people around here who did shed tears that LSU got beat by Colorado to start the season. <laughs> that there was a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> I think this is going to be a great women's basketball. Yeah. The way season, Scott, the way it started just with South Carolina jumping Iowa and then LSU losing and the fans in it. It's yeah. just cool to see what used to be just men's sports yeah. with the trash talk has mm-hmm. now gone over to the women's game. And there's negativity with that, obviously, mm-hmm. but it, the, the interest level is what is really great to see, especially uh, I have two daughters that are involved mm-hmm. in athletics and you know, they, they sit down and watch when Caitlin comes on the TV where yeah. normally like if I'm watching some other random football or basketball game, they have no interest. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the beauty of this. That's the great part of it. And it's something that's happened over the last three to four years. I did a big story from the big tens perspective on how they did that because, um, Volleyball, which unfortunately hasn't clicked here, unfortunately, because I just it's shocking that it isn't because this is such a good volleyball state. But, you know, the when the Minnesota Wisconsin match, they decided Fox decided to do this. Let's do let's try to promote a little bit of of volleyball at the Big Ten level and uh, and work with the Minnesota Wisconsin match directly after Packers Vikings. And then they get 1.66 million viewers. It's like, whoa, that's way beyond even our wildest dreams for this. And and BTN and, and the Big Ten has, has tried to do that too. Like the strategic scheduling, um, Black Friday football next week, directly after that game is is Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, or no, I'm sorry, Mi- Nebraska, Wisconsin volleyball. So it's like in the middle of the afternoon, um, in Wisconsin that day. So you're going to continue to get a great audience. Now it's going to go against the NFL on prime, but they're going to be all right. You know, so, and then you drift over to women's basketball and what we've got here, it's, it's out of this world. So they're really propelling it in, in Iowa. Every single big 10 game is on some sort of a major, either streaming or television company. And that's, that that's organic 
they don't just donate that very often. You know, they want to make sure they've got the best. And I just remember the press release from NBC uh, saying, I you know uh, 20 plus games on Peacock, including Caitlin Clark eight times. You knew that that's where they were going with her. Yep, we've come a long way from lowering the curtains at Carver <laughs> Hawkeye Arena, and we're all better for it. Um, yes. Scott and I'll be back. Let's take a little break now. We've still got to – we still haven't talked about the Iowa Rutgers game. We won't spend a ton of time on that. Spend a little more time looking ahead to uh, Mr. Bielema coming to town this week um, with Illinois. So we'll break that down, and we'll have our picks as well. Want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for the great work for over half a century in our part of the state and for supporting our podcast. We really appreciate it as we do with the folks you're going to hear from now. Scott and I will be back on the other side. Hang in there. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we're back here on the Hotspot Podcast here on HawkFanatic.com. Thank you to our sponsors. Thanks for all, all you guys out there for listening. Scott, want to hit something quick before we get into uh, the Iowa football game discussion. Uh, discussion in the chat room about Eric All coming back for 2024. I don't see it. Um, I think he put enough on film this year to make him attractive. I'm not sure how much he can improve his stock, and he's dealt with injuries now for two straight years. So that's my two cents. Yeah, that's he, he said from the very beginning that this was a one-year thing. Oh, okay. And, I, I guess I know. missed that. Yeah, and so now he could change his mind, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of course. Um, you know, you, you've got to pony up again. You know, there's another player to pony up for NIL. Uh, but he did have a back issue that cost him all but, what, three games last year. This year, I don't know, what was it, five or six? He got to play half the season, roughly. Um, you know, would he benefit from another year? Yeah, I think so, because I saw him improve a lot. And and it wasn't so much in his pass catching, it was his blocking. Yep. And and he's, he's talked about the Iowa blocking system and how it's so much different than what he's talking about, you know, just kind of the way they run through players as opposed to kind of get in front, wall, wall off, and, you know, do that sort of thing. Uh, but 
again, <laughs> one of the things when we're talking about football, we're dealing with people's bodies that aren't our own. And it is such a violent physical sport that everybody gets hurt. It's just a matter of to what degree. And if you've got, in his case, seven years of football left, go get paid. You know, and now he might, he's probably going to be a lower level draft pick than say Lachey would be. I don't know that his upside is as high, although I think he could be a very good player at the next level, probably a little bit less than Noah Fant, but, you know, maybe a number two tight end in the NFL. Um, that said, you know, it's, it, you know, if you want to make a run at him, please do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it doesn't I hurt. Mean, it could be a situation too where if Luke decides to go, then maybe you invest more in Eric Hall or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, my, my guess is, and I'm only speculating because I haven't talked to either one of them is that if you've got, you've got probably more of an opportunity with Luke than you do with Eric, you know, because Eric's older came here as a rental player basically. And now he's, it's what he said. And here he is. And it's probably, you know, okay. I've, I've played in two different systems. I played well in two different systems um, I've got an ACL. I can't afford to, you know, he's probably not going to get drafted. You know, he probably, you know, now that could also impact him. If, you know, you're talking about October to what degree is he going to ever be healthy and does it behoove him that, you know, you up the ante, maybe he comes back, but I just don't see it. I think you take your shot when you can take your shot. And now Luke Lachey, um, I would guns blaze on that one. Cause I think he could be a win the Mackey next year. I think he could be a, a top 15 draft pick in, you know, another year. This time, I think he's probably third to fourth round just based on his film. Because his last year, he didn't get a play very – I mean, he didn't get a lot of balls his way. He did score four times, but he had Sam Laporta there and an offense that really struggled moving the ball. I think you would hope that maybe with a different OC, maybe a healthy Cade McNamara, maybe he gets a little more action next year. And we got Zach Ortworth on the come up. He's the Addison Estrenga of this year. Um, yeah. And then you've got, you know, two really good tight ends in this uh, 24 class, Gavin Hoffman and mm. uh, the kid from Omaha. Ah, I'm bad at this stuff. I'm sorry. Um, but they do have good tight ends coming in. Um, and I, and Ortworth. Burt. Michael Burt. That's it, Michael Burt. I did a podcast with him. How can I not remember his name? Yeah. Senil- senility, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it does set in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do uh let's do some football talk here, Scott. Actually, like game strategy. Um that was cool what we saw on offense from Iowa against Rutgers. Um I was talking to Jovan and Jordan about this on Sunday. Uh, stuff we had been talking out on the pod about on the podcast, not nothing earth shattering. It's not innovative, any of that stuff. It was just basically some elements that you see every week elsewhere around the country, empty stacked receivers, motion, things to actually make the defense think and have to communicate. There was, there was a lot to like, Rob, and, and maybe it's, you know, it's it's kind of – there was a skit that Eddie Murphy did. I'll skip the front part, but I'll talk about, you know, Ritz Cracker, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm with you. And, and, and you're like, uh, you know, oh, this is the best Ritz Cracker I've ever had. You know, I haven't had a Ritz Cracker like this in six months, you know, or whatever. And that's kind of the way it was watching this offense. It's like um, 
you know, 400 yards. They hadn't had that happen since Maryland in 2021. Uh, they ran for 180. They passed for more than 200. Um, this was exactly what you want in complimentary football. And if Iowa could play this way, Iowa can hang with just about anybody. And, you know, the fact that they were able to dictate tempo was huge and run the ball when they wanted to, where they wanted to, and how they wanted to. And then you had a quarterback who hit two-thirds of his passes. And if it wasn't for one bad one, would have had a – I mean, his day would have looked absolutely tremendous. I mean, if if even if they get a field goal there instead, first then they hit 25 points. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one's over, but, uh, you know, but, you know, other than that, he played the part. He did what he needed to do. And and the other thing, Rob, is that was Brian Ferentz's best play game. Um, he got the ball to Caleb Brown. He got the ball to players in space so they could make plays in space, you know, and in the line blocked well. They didn't have any sacks. There was, you know, and this is against a good team. This wasn't Rutgers of three years ago. This is Rutgers of today, and and they're a decent team. So, um, and then of course the defense was is still getting better, um, you know. So I, overall, it's hard to walk away from that and not be impressed. And I think again to your complimentary football point, Iowa runs seventy something plays on offense. Mm-hmm. That gives your defense a chance to rest. And when you give this defense a chance to be fresh, yeah, you get a shutout. And that's the complimentary football. That's, you know, not getting your defense guessed. Talking to Jay Higgins on Tuesday. He yeah. was like, I feel the best I felt all year. Because would they play 40 plays on defense? Yeah, 40 yeah. snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, that is that is the blueprint for how this – how the the ceiling for this team, what we can get to. I think we saw it on Saturday. With a little more room to even go above that, as Deacon Hill starts to get more comfortable and there's a rhythm with his receivers. Um, really good to see. What I hope is, Scott, that we see a building on that and that what you put on film, build off of that, build off of what you did with Caleb Brown, do some different things. Now the defense is on its heels a little bit. Somebody mentioned it to me in the mailbag podcast. They hope that they it doesn't go from 2017 Ohio State to uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, uh, and I, I don't see I don't see it's not a direct comparison, but we've seen that in the four, past here with with Brian as the offensive coordinator, where we're like, all right, all right, this is it, this is what we wanted, and yeah. then the next week, all flat again. <laughs> yeah, that that. I there you you got to be concerned every week with this team. You just don't know. They haven't done it consistently. Right. That's one game. That's one game you can feel good about that you feel like okay, they they've met the expectation. They've met what you want them to do because defensively they were tremendous. Offensively they they played as well as they played. Really, they played better than they did in any game last year too for that matter. So, I think overall you just feel like Okay, I, I'm happy with what they did. And, of course, happiness lasted, what, four to five days. And then, they, you know, Cooper DeGene season ends. And then now it's back to misery because they're the book of Job in the Bible. But At least he didn't get hurt playing offense. <laughs> yeah, so as far as we know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, but, the uh, you know, the, the problem is that they face a team 
that's capable, they're not good, but they're capable of stifling them in multiple areas. They have the best defender in the Big Ten um, in, in Jerzon or Johnny Newton up front. He is a wrecking ball. And, you know, how would I compare him? I, you know, I can't go Aaron Donald. That's too, you know, hyperbolic in some ways. But I could say, think uh, a more disciplined Davion Nixon. <laughs> I just, I think that's a decent comp. Yeah, yeah. That he's he's gonna he's gonna make plays. You just gotta know. You just gotta avoid him when you can. And Keith Randolph's a really good defensive lineman too. And and offensively, you know, you gotta be leery of a team that threw for five hundred yards. Now, granted, it was like watching an eleven man team play an eight man team. They were horrendous. Both teams were, for that matter. But but Indiana could not have played a worse defensive game with a defensive mastermind who loves each other uh, uh, as head coach. Uh, that was oh, gross. Now. Huh? Head coach for now. For now. Yeah. That was a gross, gross defensive output. And, you know, so <laughs> I think they understand that they're coming to Kinnick and that's not going to happen, but they do have a really good wide receiver in Isaiah Williams. And then you have to replace the best defensive back in the, in the big 10 with a freshman, you know, who played well early, but, you know, Isaiah Williams is an NFL guy, and you've got to be careful of that. And 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 so to me with Iowa, it's about, you know, holding serve for a little while, um, making sure that you don't get beat on any big plays, and and then ultimately, you know, stifling Illinois when you when you're that opportunity is there. And I, I Illinois is, you know, it, it makes a lot of errors. I mean, you know, Alt Meyer, who's returning his starting quarterback, has 10 interceptions. You know, he's 13, you know, and then Paddock had an unreal game last week. But, you know, again, coming from Ball State to play in Indiana, that's pretty much the same level um, this year. <laughs> Even though they did beat Wisconsin, um, it, it's just uh, I, I think there are a lot of pitfalls, but I think Iowa is the better team here if they play the way they're capable of playing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it's at Kinnick. <clears throat> excuse me. And we saw, again, the impact of Kinnick with pre-snap penalties last week. Killed Rutgers. Just Rutgers – you know, false starts just in really critical. And part of that goes to this fan base. There's no doubt about it in my mind. We've seen it time and time again. They have to get after it again this week, senior day. I'm sure they will. Um, Interesting. You talked about the switch back to Altmaier. I guess I don't, it's not huge because I think they're similar type quarterbacks. Um, They do have good running backs, Scott. Uh, Caden Fegan. Yeah, a familiar name to mm-hmm. people who follow Iowa recruiting. Uh, and then Reggie Love the third have combined for 835, about five yards per carry. Uh, and Altmeyer can move a little bit. He's got 282 after sacks with three scores on the ground. You mentioned Isaiah Williams, 68 catches for 893 and five TDs. Uh, he's got people around him too. Pat Bryant, 36 catches for 515 and six. Casey Washington has 32 for 294 and one. Uh, and the tight end, I love it. Tip Riemann, uh, three <laughs> touchdowns in the red zone. So they've got people in the passing game on the opposite side for Iowa, Scott. Illinois is pretty good against the, the run. Like you said, they got hit hard in the secondary. And that's, I think, where you can get, you can get them. 
is throwing the ball and picking on their secondary. That If there's a weakness on their defense, that is it. Yeah, it's completely opposite from last year when they had the, maybe the, one of the better secondaries I've seen in the Big Ten in a while. I mean, three guys that were drafted in the first, what, two, two and a half rounds of the draft, and Witherspoon was fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, they've, they are much weaker there this year than they were previously. They do have some, uh, a couple of players that can, mm-hmm. can burn you, but this is a game where if you can run the ball with any effectiveness at all, if you then it opens up everything, then the play action comes in, then the boots come in, and then and then you get tight end movement, and then you've got and again they're just they're so weak in the secondary at times, and certainly they played that way last week that then you could hit a home run. And would can it go crazy if there's a 65 yard touchdown pass down the you know middle of the field to Caleb Brown? <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you know they that took some shots last week. I like to see it. You got to yeah. take some shots. Yeah, and that's one thing Deacon has is a big arm. You know, he's not real accurate, but he's got a big arm. And and if you can do that, then this team is more than capable of um, handling, you know, to, of handling Illinois. It's just the problem will be is Illinois still probably going to say, kind of like Minnesota, that they're going to just sell out for the run. You know, they're going to stop the run. And we've got Johnny Newton. Nobody can block him one-on-one, even though Iowa will be able to at times. He's not invincible, but um, – and if Iowa runs into trouble, then they feel like then, all right, third down, we'll just fake blitz back out and then incomplete. And then I'll get frustrated. And then, the, you know, Brian won't call a very good game after that. And then you're playing punt ball and hoping the defense comes up with a big play. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're, we've seen that that uh, familiar uh, story time in and time out. Now it's just a matter of Iowa Okay, you're going to have to run the ball. And they have. Four out of the last five games, they have. If they hit 100 yards, which historically is that marker of winning and losing with Iowa, they're 6-0 and this year. So if they can run for, for 100 yards against the mighty Illini, then they've got it. Then they should win this game. And, and you know, I would say win it. I don't know how you call it decisively. I don't see 22 to nothing, but I think they can win it by two scores, maybe more. Yeah, we'll get to some of the gambling numbers here when we do our picks the one worry i have each week scott with deacon is the pocket presence and the feel in there yeah and this is a scary game when you have guys coming up the middle like that which if you focus on too much you let the edges come and illinois has some some playmaking linebackers too if they get freed up and that's kind of deacon's really got to be conscious of having both hands on the football when he's dropping back yeah, that's got that's critical. I mean, he, he's got a and, and that's something that's innate, but it's also something that can be taught. And I think that's really something that needs to be impressed upon him. And you know, and not just impressed upon him, um, you know, now and in the you know, but all throughout the game, yep. you know, that he comes to the sidelines, even if he throws and it's incomplete and it's fourth down, they punt before he goes on the field. You know, Brian, you know, should probably say, you know what, you need to really be focus on holding on to the ball. Okay. You know, just keep it in that in your mind. So then it just eventually becomes habit. Um, so to me, I think that's really going to be critical here because if Iowa doesn't make a lot of mistakes, you know, and penalty, you know, turnovers, especially, and they don't give up any real big plays, I think they win. But if uh, Illinois has a good script to start the game and scores, and then Iowa turns the ball over or is sloppy 
or gives up a big play like right before half. The two most vulnerable times for Iowa's def- defense is usually the opening script yep. and right before halftime. That for whatever reason, that just seems to be the two areas. Um, then that's what can keep Illinois in this game. The last thing you want is it's 10 to 10 at halftime. And you're like, we dominated the the whole first half and it's 10 to 10. And and then you start putting pressure on your quarterback and Illinois is going, oh, we haven't won here since 2000. We're feeling good. Bielema's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know he's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. This oh, week. yeah, absolutely. Back is because he had COVID in 2020. Yes. Folks didn't remember, but. Um, yeah, he'll have some uh, he'll have some tricks up his sleeves for the Hawkeyes, I'm sure. And uh, it's, I mean, Illinois is still in the race, believe it or not. Um, yeah, you know, it's not the greatest chance in the world, but they have a chance. You're telling me there's a chance? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you look at this. Iowa just needs to win. We probably should lay this out there for folks if they they're not uh, completely tuned in. Iowa just needs to, to win one of these last two games. The last two teams that they play, though also have a chance to win. Yeah. Tie them for the West and get the nod of for the, over them to go to Indy based on tiebreakers and that is Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska is at Wisconsin uh this week. I thought I saw they haven't won there since 1966. Um I know that's not they haven't been they haven't played there a ton but they've played yeah. there enough since they've been in the league that that's pretty significant. Uh and then Illinois after this week Plays the Illinois uh, plays the the Northwestern game, and that's not a give me the way Northwestern's playing right now. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't get too comfortable. You can be a little comfortable with where you are as a Hawkeye fan, but don't get too comfortable because this league is and this division in particular has just been nuts all year. Yeah, you got a five way tie for second <laughs> at, <laughs> you know, three and, four. At, at three and four, and all of them are five and five, and <laughs> and so they all have a chance to to go to a bowl, and they all have a chance to stay home. Yep. You know, and they all have a chance to potentially tie for the league title, maybe even win it. Or the this, you know, is, this is the way we needed the West to be. Yeah. The last year, the West needed to be like this, Scott. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you've got a anarchy. We need yeah. crazy. <laughs> the thirty for thirty. Yeah, thirty for thirty. The, the the final season. You know, we had one for uh, the movie about the Norway baseball team. Now we need one on the Big Ten West. But uh, the the. You know, the, the one thing you don't want to lose track of, though, if you're a fan, and certainly the players won't because they're smarter than we are, is that these last two opponents beat them last year. Yep. And and one's a trophy game and one might as well be. I mean, Illinois, I mean, it's I, – I always – I made the joke that to Josh Whitman, the AD, he just started laughing. I said, they need to play for – you guys need to play for an orange cone, a traffic cone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, between 74, 88, 80, yep. uh, how many times have we driven that road and pff, there's barrels and cones and so the orange <laughs> cone rivalry. Uh, and And – there's a bigger, much, much bigger history between these two programs in a lot of ways, basketball more even than football. But um, so, you know, you lost last year, nine to six over there. It kept you from winning the big 10 West, you know, and Nebraska beat you and kept you from winning the big 10 West. And there's, you know, there's not a person alive that, in, that likes the black and gold that wants to have Nebraska win again. So that, you know, those are things that, when you get to the micro, they're really important. It is the big 10 West is absolutely important. Keep winning, you you know, accumulate this, go to the championship game, but ultimately it's always, it's about beating your rivals too and winning these games and, and beating a team that, you know, 
you look at all the, the near misses of touchdowns this year in the last two years, Rob, you look at the Jack Campbell at Minnesota last year. He wasn't out of bounds, but they called him that anyway. Riley Moss, you know, if the, if that the, one kills me, I had the photo, man. I was right. He was coming right at me. I had the photos. Yes. I have the photos, but they're useless. Yes. I know the, the footnotes are, are the, uh, I was, you know, like the Tupac holograms of journalism. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the photos and the stories that were died because of changes and late, you know, and of course the the biggest one of all in my eyes is Cooper DeGene. Even though last year Riley Moss, that was a big freaking play. Yep, that was right? huge because they would have won. Yep, you know, it was six to six at that point, and uh, you know he wins the game and and he was an electrifying player as well. But so uh, yeah, ultimately. Anything's possible here. Um, Iowa could win and just end all of the drama, or Iowa could lose and add a hell of a lot of drama in the last weekend. <laughs> yes. We'll see how this shakes out. It'd be nice to just put this thing to bed. And, uh, you know, I don't think you rest players at Nebraska by any no. means, um, but you go in there and you play carefree, and that's a better position to be in than going in there and being on the road on a short week, knowing you have to win. Yeah. I think the worst possible situation, Rob, going into next week is lose Saturday and then Nebraska lose at Wisconsin because then the pressure's on you to clinch and the pressure's on them to get to a bowl game. And you're going to see this pressure rise and who's going to survive. Well, it's at their place. So they're going to feel that kind of intensity. Now, if they're six and five and you've already clinched, and who knows, you know, I mean, then it's, that comes down to what it really should be, which is Iowa versus Nebraska. But, but when you've got all these different elements in play and you've got a quarterback that has been very inconsistent to say the least going over there, then, you know, now you're going to, they're off. Yeah. Their offense is a little bit, you know, they turn it over a lot more than yeah. Iowa does. Yeah, no doubt that, uh, we could certainly see uh, football in a phone booth and rock fight or whatever other cliche you want to use the next two weeks. I will, I, despite Illinois' offensive output last week and Iowa figuring some things out, the over-under on this game is still 30 points. And yeah. that takes us into our last segment, the pick'em segment. Um, give me the bad news. Not real bad. Um, better for me, of course, but <laughs> I, I was, I was six and one. I was, I was lucky. You were four and three last I, week, Rob. Hey, I'll take it above yeah. 500. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I, I had, uh, Maryland minus two and a half at, at Nebraska. You picked Nebraska. And the other one was I had Purdue minus one and a half against Minnesota and you had Minnesota. So yeah, Minnesota's gone in the crapper since, he, yeah. since they left here. Yeah, well, they, they, it's kind of like Iowa State last year, you know, it's like, what will you give up for this, uh, in trophy? Everything. And <laughs> thought at this point, Scott, that Iowa State is Iowa's best win this year. I know. Crazy, um, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, you know, I don't, I know this is a Hawkeye odd spot, but you, you got to be impressed with, with Matt Campbell. Yep. Um, cause they, their gambling situation has just crushed them. It could have. They could they could have been three and nine, two and ten, and then you know, oh, it's time to get rid of Matt Campbell. Instead, um, they, they if they win their final two games, they're in the Big Twelve championship game too. Jeez, that's nuts. Yeah, uh, they play Texas at home, which 
you know, unfortunately for them that it's not, it's going to be nice weather. (laughs) Um, And then they play Kansas state, both of them will be tough games for them. But, but uh, for this, um, you know, you're 46, 44 and one. So you're about 500. I've had, I've had a very fortunate year. I'm 54, 36 and one. So damn man, you should have been playing those. Like yeah. real life playing them. I know. <laughs> so, of course, as soon as I do that, then I'm going to. Yeah. As soon as you start to partake is when it goes the other way on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here we've got the the rock or not rock fight, sock fight bowl. Let's call it that for the spittoon. Uh, Michigan State at Indiana. <laughs> it's uh, Indiana is a four and a half point favorite. And uh, Michigan, the over under is 47 and a half. Neither one of these teams are, you know, going to a bowl game. This is and in Bloomington, Scott? This is in Bloomington. I'm still going to take Sparty um, with the points. Just the four, four and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the points because I can't. Neither one of these two teams is good enough to th- throw that many points. Yeah. Um, you know, if they would have held on and won, I mean, they were up by 15. They were up 27 to 12 against Illinois. And then they would have had, you know, they would have been, what, five, four and six and have a chance at a bowl then because yep. they're playing Michigan State and Purdue. And then I thought, well, maybe Indiana's kind of cruising towards the end. And instead, it's, you know, the, after last week, you got to rally those troops up again. And after what Tom Allen said, you know, how many people are going to be buying in Michigan State? You know, I, I don't know. It, it could be a very entertaining game. Just take away the rec, you know, throw the records out just so you can be entertained. You know, not because of that. Um, I'm guessing there's not going to be a lot of people in Memorial State. No, I think there'll be more people tailgating for whenever the next Indiana <laughs> basketball game is going to be going on, you know, as usual. I don't know how many times we've been over there where they've had like some sort of shirts and skins or something going on and everybody's just. Yep. Have uh, fun. They're out. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, let's go check out basketball. Uh, You know, or, you know, how many times I've been in Indianapolis and someone, you know, one of our colleagues that covers uh, Indiana, it's like, ah, damn it. They just got to (laughs) commit. And and next thing you know, they're, they're, you know, having to write about basketball while they're in at Big Ten football, and um, that, and that's not unusual actually. But uh, all right, next one, and this this is interesting. Um, Michigan is minus nineteen and a half at Maryland uh, when the over under is fifty. I'm going to take the points because I think Michigan. I and I'm not going to say Michigan's going to lose, but Maryland can be a weird team once in a while. And uh, they've got a good quarterback and all this drama at some point is going to catch up with them. And this is kind of that in-between game. You know, you had Penn State last week, you have Ohio State next week. You're on the road, you're playing a team that's already bowl eligible and it's got a good quarterback and a decent passing game. And you're throwing almost 20 points. I'll, I'll be there for, for the letdown. Yeah, no doubt. It's the, it's the uh, sandwich game, right, yeah, between exactly. Penn State and Ohio State. So um, I think just human nature is to let down a little bit. Maybe Michigan does it and proves us wrong, but I'm taking the points. And uh, we just got the honorary captain, Rob, Noah Shannon. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it needs to be. And we forgot to mention he'll be going through Senior Day festivities yeah. this week, too, so – he deserves everything coming his way on Saturday. Um, if you're at the stadium, make sure you make it very loud when he yeah. is introduced. Yeah, I think he'll be the second loudest player next to Tory Taylor. 
Purdue at Northwestern. This one flipped early in the week. It was one and a half for the Wildcats. Now it's minus three for Purdue, and the over-under is 46 and a half. This is a really weird, hard game. And, uh, uh, you know, based on Purdue's won some games that you're like, wow, how did they pull that off? You know, last week, 49 points, what they did with Illinois. I'm going to take Purdue in this one. I just think that they're – they might pull off a stunner. This is in Evanston. This is in Evanston. And what's the points? Minus three for Purdue now. As and early in the week, it was minus one and a half for for Northwestern. I'll take Northwestern plus three. Okay. All right. We're different Cause the, there because the public is they're idiots. So if they're <laughs> betting on Purdue. I'm taking the other time. I'm kidding. You're not idiots. That's, I'm yeah. Not. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We're all idiots. <laughs> We're like the Red Sox in the early 2000s. Um, Rutgers at Penn State. Penn State minus 20 and a half. And over-under is 42 and a half. I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights. Um, you know, give me 20 and a half points. Um, they did not play well last week, but they played against a team that was playing really well. I am interested in seeing how Penn State responds to another week where they fired their, uh, you know, offensive coordinator. Now they're what the fifth one under James Franklin. And now they're going to be, you know, are their hopes of winning the East going to the playoff are gone. How do they respond? And Rutgers, you know, we, uh, we, you know, last week wasn't a good week, but Iowa played well. Um, Is this, this is a game that they look at as a rivalry game. This is a, um, shoot up, not, you know, where Penn State shoots down. So I'm taking Rutgers. I agree. I'm going to take Rutgers as well. Um, I just think it's going to be really hard for Penn State to get up to the, you know, its maximum level after. It's just it, it was soul crushing. Yeah. Again, losing to Ohio State and Michigan again. Um, and I don't follow a lot of P- Penn State people, but Still on my timelines on social media, Scott, just the stories of what do we do now? James, Fr- it's just, it seems like there's a lot of, a lot of unrest in state mm-hmm. college this week. And, you know, having a team that's trying to keep you out of its state from taking the best players in New Jersey, which Penn State often does to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. It's a really important game for them. And, like you said, I mean, Iowa played a really good game last week, wore Rutgers down as the game went on with so many offensive plays. But you look at the first half, Rutgers was right there with Iowa, and that was a toss-up game. Iowa just played the better game. I still think Rutgers is a pretty good football team. Yeah, I do too. I think they can, you know, um, this one might be a close game. I'm not going to predict a win. I'm just going to take the points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think gonna... Penn State will win, but yeah. I just I, 20 and a half seems insane. Yeah, exactly. Which means they'll win by 40. <laughs> you never know. I mean, it could go either way. <laughs> yeah. But but we've seen those years. They they don't happen all that often here anymore, but they used to where you get that crushing loss and it just deflates everybody and then yep. it spills over. And I think that's if that there's a hallmark to the Ferentz era, it's that he's the, he's usually gotten those things to stop. You know, a couple of times they haven't. I think 06 and 2010 were the ones that didn't. Uh, but but I think that's that's an interesting case. Um, Minnesota at Ohio State. Ohio State's throwing 27 and a half, and the over under is 48 and a half. Give me the buck, guys. I think they I think they roll in this one. Yeah, what was the points? 27 and a half. 
Yeah, I'll take Ohio State. Minnesota is in a tailspin right now, and Ohio State's going to try to impress the voters as much as possible here and yeah. uh, run it up if they can. Yeah, they'll run it up. And and uh, Minnesota, you know, after a really good start, you know, re- they felt really good about themselves taking home Floyd and, and uh, you know, P.J. Fleck bringing it home and showing off his – Put it on his dresser at home. <laughs> got to look at big picture, man. You yeah. can't look at the small pictures. I know yeah. it was a big win, but you got to move on, and they haven't. Yeah. Uh, night game at Camp Randall, Nebraska at Wisconsin uh, on NBC. It's uh, four and a half for the Badgers and uh, 36 and a half overall. So it's not a real high scoring game either uh, for Vegas. Um, this one is the most challenging game for me to pick this weekend, even points or no points. And I'm going to take Nebraska. Um, I don't know where this ends up, but I, Wisconsin has just impressed me even less than Nebraska has. And if Nebraska, you know, they've got their two, you know, you want to call them rivals, that's fine. Wisconsin and Iowa back-to-back in the season, and they got a chance to go to a bowl game. They got a chance to go to Camp Randall against the weakest Badgers team we've seen in a while. I think that, you know, this game might be lower scoring than Iowa, Illinois. And I I think Nebraska pulls it out. I would I would probably take them money line. Yeah, I mean, what, 21-17? Something no. like that. It's 36 points, right? Is the total? Yeah. I think I'm, at 36 points at four and a half, that doesn't add up to me. I'm going to take Nebraska because I think it's a close game. I, I would probably pick take Wisconsin to win, but I think this game's within like a field goal, kind of like yeah. Nebraska Maryland last week. Yeah, I I think it's you know twenty seventeen somewhere in that range, which because Wisconsin's going to struggle against yeah. Nebraska's defense. Yeah, absolutely, they've struggled most of the year, and and I think you know it's a night game, it's their season senior game, senior finale, so they're going to care about it quite a bit. Um, bowl at stake and you know they play for a trophy although it's not as important as the axe <laughs> you know for for Wisconsin but uh, finally we get to the one we're going to cover Rob and it stayed pretty strong here at three and a half for Iowa and over under 30 and a half um, I like Iowa I, I've kind of gone back and forth and the emotion of the moment of Cooper DeGene, God, they're going to lose. And, you know, and then, and then you just kind of sit back and you look at the and evaluate it and I can see them losing, but I also could see them losing to Rutgers. I could see them losing to any of these teams and yet they're finding ways to win. You know, they're, they, they're 16 and one over the last 17 games in November. They're 13 and three over the last 16 games. Um, they are motivated. They have something to play for, and they also have an opponent that they want to beat. Now, as you said, you know, the last time Brett Bielema was at Kinnick Stadium, he pulled one of the all-time greatest fake punts uh, I've ever seen, and maybe in maybe in Big Ten history. And uh, he's going to be capable of doing something like that too. But Iowa has a little bit better special teams coaching than they did in 2010. So give me Iowa. I think Iowa punches them in the face. The hook, I hate the hook. That's the, the and I've we've talked about this before. That three and a half, I hate that half. But that's why they do it. They make it difficult on you. I think I was the better team here, and it's a close enough point spread where I can throw those three and a half points. Don't like it. I probably wouldn't play this game. Uh, probably would lean more towards throwing it in a parlay with a money line, maybe with Iowa. 
because I think Iowa, I like Iowa's chances just to win this game. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw the points as well. Here are the trends that I pulled out for this one, Scott. Illinois is two and nine against the spread in its last 11 games. Mm. Two and nine. Wow. The I are 10 and three against the spread, however, in their last 13 road games. <laughs> so make of that what you will. The total has gone under in Iowa's last five games. The total has gone over in four of the Hawkeyes' last six games against Illinois. Wow. So make of that what you will. Yeah. I remember beating them 63 to nothing a few years ago. Um, (laughs) And then every other game since then has been really, really tight. Uh, You know, something like 17-13 measures up for me. Um, which <laughs> 30 and a half, three and a half, uh, that would be, uh, you know, where, where you would line up. But I, I think Iowa wins the West. I think we see emotional Kirk. And, um, I think you see, you know, and, and again, another really gritty, gutty effort from the Hawkeyes. I've got Iowa winning this in my preview, which you can find on my, um, Twitter X feed. Got the Hawks winning 16 to nine. Okay. So take the under. <laughs> again. Again. You can't go wrong, man. I mean, you might miss it once. But uh, but look at it. last five. And, you know, everybody's like, take it under. And then they, and it's like, uh, you know, the, the limbo, you know, you're just like, how low can you go? And <laughs> I would jump on the 30 if you like the under, because I yeah. think that number is going to drop down a little bit here in the next couple of days, because people are going to come in yeah. and say, oh, that thing's 30 for Iowa and Illinois. Let's hit the under. Yeah, yeah exactly. Especially now with Cooper DeGene news. Mm-hmm. It's going to exactly. move. I bet it moves. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, 230 on, is it F? F- yeah, FS1, FS1. right? 230 mm-hmm. FS1 Saturday, Kinnick Stadium. For those folks that aren't making it to the game, for those folks that are making it to the game, uh, have a good time. Behave yourself. It's a little bit later of a cook kickoff, so you get a little bit more time to get lubed up. So behave yourselves. Uh, cheer for the seniors. Cheer for everybody. Don't boo. Uh, enjoy the game and celebrate if the Hawkeyes clinch. Another trip to Indy, two and three years would be uh, – and just missed that one last year, too. Should be three in a row. But I digress. We're going to say goodbye for this week so Scott can get ready for his next podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, I think we may, we'll may we move to a different day next week because we're not going to do it on Thanksgiving. Maybe Wednesday, uh, maybe Tuesday. We'll figure it out. Scott and I will let you know and throw it out there on social media so you can Uh, Check out the programming change, but we will be back at some point next week to recap the Illinois game, preview the Nebraska game, talk about everything else going on in the world of Hawkeye athletics here on the Hawkeye Hotspots podcast. Until then, be well. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.